Hey everyone, it's Adam. I just want to tell you about a couple of upcoming events that I think you guys would be interested in. Sunday, March 17th, 7 p.m. at the Fanatic Salon in Culver City. That's St. Patrick's Day. Come out. Uh, I'll be telling stories along with the very talented Carrie Nidro and Corey Reddish. All of us have been students of Ann Randolph. There'll be a really good mix of people there, storytellers, people working on solo performance. It's going to be an amazing night. We'll have drinks as well. Um, just really fun. Yeah, come out. Also, April 14th in Encinitas, California, which is just north of San Diego, Joshua is going to be teaching along with Dr. Dana Reese an embodied writing workshop about using physical movement in your writing to get to your writing through movement. It's such good work. I've done it with Josh and others, and it's just an amazingly powerful way to get to sort of a more authentic and deeper voice in your work. Also, don't forget Josh teaches at Hollyhock in July, Cortez Island in Canada. I can't think of a more beautiful place to work on your writing and performance chops. So hope to see you guys all soon. Links to for tickets to all this will be in the, the show notes. Talk to you guys. Now arriving downtown Santa Monica Station. Hey, Adam. It's time for Notes on Your Notes. I'm Adam Lesser. And I'm Joshua Townsend Zellner. You're listening to Notes on Your Notes, a podcast about the creative process and storytelling. We are in it today, Adam. Here we are in our headquarters in Santa Monica. Headquarters. Josh has a beanie on, which I've never seen him on. That's because it's so cold. It's cold because we turned off the heat in my apartment. It's freezing. It's freezing in L.A. It's freezing in L.A. Yeah. Got to get your warm clothes. Mm -hmm. I have three layers on. I know. I'm a little thrown because you're missing your usual linen shirt. That's how cold it is. Freezing. Yeah. I, I had to go rogue with like a sweater. And a t-shirt. It doesn't look very warm, that sweater, I'll be honest. Well, that's why I have a jacket. I have three layers. Three-layer Josh. A highly unusual for It's me. like a special burrito. <laughs> Where's the crunchy little chips? Oh, man. I used to eat so much Taco Bell in high school. Did you really? I had really bad eating habits. Like, you like what, what, was was your, what, was your, what was your go-to order? I got like a couple double-decker tacos, which was when they would take an extra layer of a flour tortilla, uh-huh. put beans on it, and wrap it around the crunchy oh. corn tortilla. So you'd have two layers, double nice. decker. Nice. I think I had that. I definitely had a lot of Mexi melts, which is just disgusting. And uh, what else did I eat? I'd get an order of nachos. I mean, you could really compete and see if you could spend fifteen, ten dollars. Mm-hmm. It was so cheap. It's like, could you eat ten dollars worth of food at Taco Bell? Because oh it was hard. Also, what else did I do? I mean, you have to understand I grew up in suburbia, so this was just normal. Yeah. Uh, McDonald's often ran this <laughs> two Big Macs for two bucks sort of deal. Really? Yeah. And I would leave um, tennis practice and I would go to McDonald's. I would, like, this would be after tennis, and I would get uh-huh. two Big Macs for two bucks, uh-huh. and then I'd get a large fries. And as if that were not disgusting uh-huh. enough, I would then get a chocolate shake. Mm. But I wasn't done. No. Okay. I knew they kept honey mustard like mayonnaise or honey mustard sauce behind the counter. They uh-huh. didn't keep it out. Uh-huh. And I'd ask for it because I wanted to dip my French fries in like something creamy and sweet. 
Huh. And so I asked for that. And then I go home and take a nap. <laughs> after, I'd eat, after I'd eaten like 2,500 calories. Comatose. You're just like, wow. I didn't realize that the, that the land in Brazil was so cheap that they could afford to do two Big Macs for $2. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I had to learn from my errors. Yeah. Were you a vegan your whole life? Since, uh, since my second year of high school. What's the last animal you ate? Do you remember? <laughs> no, I don't remember the last animal. I think it was a small pet. No, I didn't eat a pet. Sacrificed a parrot. Yeah, I, I, I don't have a distinct When memory. When you did eat meat in like mm. junior high, what did you mm. eat? Salisbury steak. <laughs> what the hell is Salisbury steak? You Those know what Salisbury. I mean? Yeah, like what is that? Where is Salisbury? Is, is no that idea. in Germany? Is that, <laughs> is that like Salzburg? Salzburg, man. I have no idea what it, that is. Uh, that, and there's some other mystery things that one would eat in junior high school. And your sisters would just eat along with you? They would eat meat? Yeah, yeah. Are you the only no. vegetarian among your family? Uh, My sister, my one of my sisters is vegetarian. Oh. But, but you know, vegetarian. So she's got a lot of, she's got a lot of cheese in her fridge. You know, cheese and milk products are involved, which is fine. I, I, I'm non-dogmatic. I'm, you know, just, just, she wants, you know, upper respiratory congestion. (laughs) No. And lactose intolerance. Yeah. Yeah. So to weaken her, her, you know, her lung and large intestine key. You're so She should go for that. You're so funny. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, I'd be more, I'd be more, uh, I'm more like, I find being gluten free is probably more impactful for people in for gen- people in general yeah. than giving up. Uh, you know, un- un- unless you're going to do some serious pranayama breathing practices, um, you know, to be dairy free is you know as long as you're eating good, healthy, like raw dairy, raw know? organic, yeah, yeah, raw organic, yeah. Single but there's source. really there's not. I guess you can get raw cheese, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the farmers market, yeah. So gluten's the silent killer. <laughs> It's just, okay, let me say it another way. It's like what you want to do is you want to fill your diet with, you know, nutritionally rich foods, you know, nutritionally But what about like a, a fermented, spelt, sourdough, like really good quality loaf of bread, no? That's, you know, there's always, there's, I mean, you can play the edge and, and notice how you feel after you eat it. That's really how, that's what I, that's my criteria. It's like, forget if about, to, if you want to jump out of a plane with no parachute, No, fine. I'm not saying it like that. I'm saying it for real. It's like, drop the dogma. You know, and and really go like dairy free or gluten free for three months or whatever it is, and then slowly start to reintroduce it to your diet and see how you feel. But you know what I really want to talk about the difference today is <laughs> between instead of gluten free and dairy free, uh-huh. the difference between writing for literature and writing for performance. Transition. Oh. Transition. Transition. Time to transition. That, that was so subtle, no one noticed, huh, Adam? <laughs> Josh, explain what is the difference between literary and for performance. Well, when we're writing something to, I I, I say, uh, you know, writing for literature and writing for performance. So writing for literature is for writing for something that is never meant to be performed, uh, performed, shared orally or you know visually. It's it's meant to be read. It was the individual. best of times. It was the worst of yeah. times. Okay. And so and so that that has a that has a certain a certain framework that needs to be honored. And then when we move into performance, 
it can be the same story, it can be the same scene, but you're going to need to adapt. You could say you could use the word adapt maybe, but you're going to write it with a different sensibility because it's it's being written for performance as opposed to To be or not to be, that was the question. Is that what you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I think our, our I think this episode's over now, Adam, with those two Thanks amazing for guys. <laughs> Was, they brought in the big guns today, aka yeah. me. Yeah, you got you got them down, man. <laughs> Those descriptions. I'm gonna go eat some, uh, you know, mozzarella on whole wheat bread and That's see right. if I die. Avocado toast. Avocado toast. Um, so Josh asked me to bring in something literary today and read it. Mm-hmm. So I, I went and got of Mice and Men, which is a book I like. Should I read, Josh? Yes, please, Adam. And this would be an example written for literature to yes. be read. That's right. Literature. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to do an accent? I read this. No, no. I think it'd be, I think, I think we, we need to save that for, for, <laughs> for another time. I don't know what you're talking about. All right, fine. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Steinbeck was an American writer. Now he's an right. English writer. It's Cockney. It's Cockney. Okay. <laughs> okay, here we go. This is page two. We're introduced to Lenny and George, our two characters that will follow in of mice of men one of them uh it's george i believe has no excuse me lenny has uh uh some sort of intellectual disability right mm-hmm. he's a bit slow he's the large heavy set you know yeah. guy who's a little slow and then the other guy george is his friend george is the small frame usually portrayed a small frame and smart and uh, yeah. more of a hustler thank you The first man stopped short in the clearing, and the follower nearly ran him over. He took off his hat and wiped the sweatband with his forefinger and snapped the moisture off. His huge companion dropped his blankets and flung himself down and drank from the surface of the green pool. Drank with long gulps, snorting into the water like a horse, the small man stepped nervously beside him. Lenny, he said sharply. Lenny, for God's sake, don't drink so much. Lenny continued to snort into the pool, The small man leaned over and shook him by the shoulder. Lenny, you're going to be sick like you was last night. Lenny dipped his whole head under, hat and all, and then he sat up on the bank and his head dripped, and his hat dripped, down on his blue coat and ran down his back. The good, he said. You drink some, George. You take a good big drink. He smiled happily. George unslung his bindle and dropped it gently on the bank. I ain't sure it's good water, he said. Looks kind of scummy. Well done, Adam. I was right there the whole time. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that was really well well performed. Um, if anybody wants to hear me doing it in a British accent, they can email notes on your notes at <laughs> gmail.com. And for five dollars, you'll and you can Venmo yeah. me the money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that was great. That was a great example. So that was very literary. Mm-hmm. That was a scene. Mm-hmm. Don't drink the water, Lenny, mm-hmm. from a green pool. Yeah, uh, written. To be read by John Steinbeck. Yeah. Sometime. To to be read alone by yourself where the Sadly. words paint the <laughs> where the words paint the picture that give you all the physical action, right? Right. And then if we were to read that for a, or we were to, to tell that story for a performance piece, it would be done differently because you wouldn't go into that heightened description, you'd actually show it you'd actually like so if it was being done on a stage or 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 for a film then you would actually show that behavior you wouldn't have to describe it because then it would be redundant if you're doing it for an audio situation then you would go or whatever you know when it's 
This is so good. Yeah, this is so good. Stop. <laughs> and so then, so then the the uh, the, um, the listener gets to experience it that way. No, and I just want to say, like, but this is kind of a this is a real issue for a lot of people. And even if you're not like a performer, I see this mm-hmm. all the time. I see this. I've even seen this in business events where people need to talk to an audience and they write it out. Mm-hmm. So it's they write when you write something, you usually write it to be read by someone else, not to be spoken. And then they go take their printout and they read it to an audience, and it sounds like someone's reading. Uh, it's uh, it's it's horrible. I I cringe on the inside. Right, but yes. everyone does this. Oh, so it makes it okay? Just no, everyone's Adam, doing just, crack just because <laughs> everyone's eating dairy doesn't make it okay. Or <laughs> well, gluten. Or or going to Taco Bell and spending ten dollars on. I had no idea you were so hardcore rolls. against gluten. It's not, it's not that I'm. It's, I, 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 look. Give yourself the experience. That's what I'm hardcore about. Give yourself the experience of having it and then not having it and see which way you like better. I've tried to go gluten-free. I've okay. done it. And? It just doesn't make a huge difference for me. Then, you know what? Then, I The only thing I've noticed that mm. makes me feel like not great is mm. like really refined wheat bread. For me, it's the quality of the making of the bread. So like really crappy white French bread, you know, mm-hmm. baguette. Yeah. Yeah, that'll make... I don't feel great. But like a really quality sourdough spelt bread that's been... <sighs> You know, from a biodynamic farm where they've they've really soaked that spell. I mean, I feel like I digest that really well. Then I see that's why I I I truly process process. That's it's all about the process that it went through. It's not through some sort of like huge commercial thing. Oh yeah, like Wonder Bread is toxic. That's that will kill you. Yeah, I mean, it was designed not to not so that rats wouldn't eat it. That's what it was. But I'm saying like, like my friend Romel used to run the grand Daisy bakery in Tribeca in New York city. Uh And he told me that they think that it's not that gluten is a problem. It's that they use quick rise rise yeast and they've changed Mm. also the lineages of wheat that they use. They used to use diversity and now everyone uses the same one. Mono. And they think that's the problem. I, I, I would agree. And it, I would agree with that because there's some there's some breads that I've tasted that are from Europe that are you know heirloom grain and you know ha- handmade and sourdough starter yeah. that they use yeah for generations soak that grain got out all the phytic acid yeah like that you know Germany Germans are good at that they okay. got good bread in Germany right sauerkraut Kraut. they're good at fermentation in Germany yeah. yeah they are okay where were we Steinbeck Steinbeck Salinas Salinas River, <laughs> early 20th century. And what you were talking about was was this, which is more practical and more immediate, which is how people can sometimes write for something and they feel like, yeah, it's really well written and they can read it um, on a, on a I letterhead. I, I read an open mic's essays that I've written. And, and, yeah, and? And it reads like I'm reading a, a printout. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, we've talked about this because we work with people on this problem. I'm not... I'm conscious of it. I right. just don't always have the time to turn it into performance. And performance for me requ- at the my stage of development requires me to do like bullet points because I can't memorize a script. I can't memorize something and then deliver it as if I'm not because then I'm just reading in my head. Right. That, and that's worse. Right. That's yeah. worse. So yeah. for me, it more has to be like I'm just going to tell from general bullet points a story. Uh-huh. And then, of course, it sounds normal because... It's like I'm telling you a story right now on the show. Like this morning I was driving on the 10 and it was raining. And then, I, you know, it's like it sounds like a, like I'm telling someone like it's for performance. 
it's not premeditated yes. and and there's also like unaccustomed to public speaking as i am right you know there's these turn phrases that people <laughs> use that are so removed from reality and then we throw them in into like a speech and we somehow accept it it's weird but yeah yeah so we need to like take that out we also need to give the sensation that we're creating it in the moment for the moment but that's that has to do with two things one is performance but the other thing is is from my perspective word choices and how how you lay something out right right well do you want to try to convert what i just did into performance well that would be that would be like an adaptation you know right so which is an adaptation oh, what do you want to do? What? sorry well on. an adaptation is 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 valuable too but it's just different okay you know, like if we were doing a feature film script or a play version of Mice and Men, of which there are many, you know, they they do that opening scene. They do. They yeah. do. Yeah, well, that's different. Like I could turn that into dialogue. Yeah. A dialogue script. Yeah. Um, but you, I guess you wanted to talk about how you write for performance. So, so. And that's particularly important. Yeah. In the, like it's easy to write, easier to write for performance if you're writing a script because you know it's said dialogue uh-huh. not easier but uh-huh. yeah. you at least you have it in your consciousness people still write really bad dialogue right. but um if you're writing prose to be said to an audience or performed that is complicated because we're trained to write prose to be read exactly so when you're doing personal narrative stories which so, many people are which many people are they evaluate it as a writing exercise and then they take that and they go to perform it and sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes it falls flat. And the reason why is because it was being evaluated and nurtured and put together as a piece of what I would call literary, a literary piece, and not set up for performance. And it's, it's just, it's, it's a different medium. So how do you teach people to write for performance? You want to, A, make sure that the event is clear. B, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm saying A and B. I'm being so structured. Gosh, you're being super what? linear right now. Ooh, it's making ouch. me uncomfortable. Wow, I'm, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. Okay, A, you want to make sure you have an event. B, you want to make sure that you have a strong delineation between uh, description, like if you're describing something, in other words, of setting something up, and then when you actually drop into a scene. So there's a, cl- because sometimes people are giving a quick Okay, I've overview. got one for you. Okay, I'm ready. Event, Josh is going to propose to a woman. Set up. <laughs> Set up. He spent all of his adult life <laughs> poo-pooing marriage. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, so this is a documentary. Yeah. I see, Adam. This is well, great. Well, it's, it's more like a, yeah. you're having an uh, experience with a psychic. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. So is that what I'm talking about? Like, so we would talk about, let's say I'll be you. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, my whole life I watched other people get married yeah. and, and be miserable. Yeah. They fought over whether to have children. <laughs> They fought over closet space, <laughs> who left the towel on the floor, and I didn't need any of it. I was happy with myself. There I was, Josh Townsend. And then one day, I saw her across the sound bath, <laughs> Katerina. <laughs> she was from Odessa, which I learned later was in the Ukraine. <laughs> her down dog was lithe. No, no, you don't do downward dog and sound Whatever. bath. Whatever, okay, I'm okay, freestyling. Okay, okay, sorry, 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 <laughs> sorry. Right, so there's the setup. The setup right. is who's mm-hmm. Josh the character. Yeah, yeah. And then the event is 
engagement you're proposing yeah at the cacao waterfall in <laughs> peru uh-huh right right mm-hmm. okay and then when you do that you there's a shift in the writing in the sense of you're going to write it differently now you're going to step into that scene and drop us in and you're i'm going to hold my point of view and then ideally you're when you write the other person's dialogue you're going to hold their point of view if you if you leave that complexity out if you just write their dialogue from your point of view but they're speaking it like they're the other person you're going to have a very thin performance you're going to have a very thin other person because they're going to be most likely evil they're not going to otherwise otherwise there has to be a conflict and if they're not adhering to what you want and you're not writing from their point of view they'll sound either thin or just um what's the word flat yeah i mean so you're saying like if you're going to write something to be performed Mm -hmm. you should do what you need you need very clear signposts of beginning a scene and ending a scene and then when you're actually writing the scene it needs to be from your point of view and then when the other person's speaking it needs to be clearly from their point of view with different with different rhythm and cadence different word choices okay because that's what i pick up on more than anything and Mm -hmm. even when people are not speaking it's it's the way we write sentences is different from the way we speak them like right like right an ear for an ear for dialogue is what people call it but Mm -hmm. it's not just an ear for dialogue it's an ear for description and everything it's like i can write a sentence in my josh story that says um oh i see what you're saying you know let's say i'm josh writing the story the setup for my engagement there were times as a young man when i looked at my mother and my father and i thought that this was what love was love was a kind of place where you walked your dog together and played with your children right Mm -hmm. that's a sentence that you would never speak right absolutely okay okay and then the performance would be something like so my mom had this dog growing (laughs) up named lullaby and she and my father would walk it together in the Mm -hmm. evening and it was always kind of funny to me because my mother would always hold the leash. She would never let my father hold the leash. Mm-hmm. It was a bit like their marriage. Okay. So, so like so, so that like so what you're talking about what you're talking about is genre. No, I'm talking about the way you speak versus the way you write. No, no, what you're just talking about right now is genre. Seriously. Right. What no. is what do you mean? The, the second genre is really easy for me to to identify. That's like current you know, current talk, it's yeah. it's off the fly, it's a hipster, it's, right? It's someone who's really natural, kind of... I'm just telling you a story. No, no, no. In the second one, it was very West Coast. It has a very specific kind of character. Don't pigeonhole me. <laughs> and it's a very specific kind of genre in terms of, of, I know what time and space this person lives in. Yeah. The first one is is is, is has a time date stamp on it. And it has a more serious tone. It's more dramatic. That's what I'm saying. It's more of a genre choice. And depending upon what world you're going to perform it in and, and how it's going to live, you know, each one has its own challenges. So then what's the delineation you're making in terms of, because that's how I conceive of it, is that when we go out to speak, even if we're telling a story or if we're giving a lecture, there's just a different quality to the cadence of how we read versus how we tell tell someone something right so if you're going to do if you're going to speak if you want to be like a real person in today's world you would do the second way of doing it if you wanted to like mm, if you wanted to 
portray sort of like a stuffy, uptight character from like the 1940s, then I would go with uh, with the way you did it first. Yeah, but it would still sound like it was red. But the part of that is an, is an uptight character from the 40s. It's an uptight character from the 40s that's reading. As opposed to a character from the 40s like, uh, well, that was, you know, of Mice and Men. And they wouldn't be in that world. That person's, the person you were talking about is educated and, you know what I mean, thoughtful. And then, then you're putting in, you're putting in the, the stamp that your whole piece has to follow that. You, th- then you can't deviate from it because you're setting you're setting your world or your tone in in motion, right? So it's not meant to um, uh, make other things wrong. It's just that you need to know what world you're in and and are you going to stick with that f- for the for the whole performance? That okay. choice does that make sense? Because like when you do My Fair Lady. You know, you're going to have very specific dialogue, which is not natural sounding, but you have to make it natural sounding. Right. If you're going to do a period piece, again, the, but you have to find that. Right. But is, is there something else, though, that, that's that's bothering you, Adam, though? No, that's fine. I mean, I think you're... It's hard to articulate, like... I think you're talking about something much broader, which is that... Style? No, just like that whatever you perform something, like you have a voice and that voice needs to sound like a performance. It's definitely about defining and redefining your voice for sure in performance, yes. But what else? Adam, you're so good at this. You're onto something. I want to make sure we fully explore it. I just don't think that's like I'm trying to see what you're I'm trying to see what you're articulating but beyond the initial definition of just writing to be read versus writing to be spoken and performed. Like you're trying to point to something else, and I don't know what it is. Mm. When when you go into hi, hyper, well, what I would consider hyper detail and hyper, like you can go off into like tangents of like, oh, I remember when I, you know, I I would hold this close to my chest, and I would, you know, I would sweat, and then the sweat would go into her letters, and then when I mailed them, she loved them so much. It's like that to me is is literary, like like. Other than like a voiceover in a performance piece, I don't know how you would get that in. Nor would I, I. Nor would I feel like the audience would be engaged with that kind of hyper detail. Because when you go to see a performance or hear a performance, you're coming to engage in the art in a different way. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, I understand. I still feel like there's something unsatisfied right now with you, Adam. No, I'm satisfied. I mean, it, I, I, I like feel like I feel like you just ate like ten dollars at Taco Bell, and, and it's tired. like you're full, but yeah, you're not. Like, but you're not happy. I'm like, uh too many Maxi melts. Josh made me eat that fourth Maxi melt. <laughs> Should never listen to him. What the hell is a Maxi melt? What is that? It was this like it was like eighty nine cents, <laughs> and it was a flour tortilla with I think their ground beef mixture and some cheddar cheese. So it's like a quesadilla. No. It's like wrapped. It was just like, and it was like, it was like the mixture was inside. It wasn't, it wasn't like melted like a quesadilla. No, it was like wrapped up like a little roll. Oh, was it deep fried? No, it was like the quick and dirtiest thing, but they were weirdly good. Was the corn tortilla soft or crunchy? It was soft and it was probably flour. Nice. I don't know if they do corn tortillas at Taco Bell. Yeah. Probably um, only the crunchy ones, but the soft ones are probably all flour. 
they don't do gluten free. What? <laughs> maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe they do now. You know, they, they have a whole vegan menu coming out. Talk about. Up. They uh, do. They, they was on, it was I'm sure because any good vegan would really want to eat from that kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the dream vegan kitchen. Uh, over here, we have some cow that was tortured in Guatemala and then shipped here for a small carbon footprint. But over here, we have their vegan section with coconut tortillas <laughs> and tempeh oh my God. and tempeh mix all that processed story stuff is pretty gross by the way adam you're so much fun <laughs> yeah tempeh tempeh you're lying a- to me there's no vegan menu at taco bell yes check check the national news i just saw it three days ago it's rolling out like this spring and they're super excited because they want to get they want to tap that market sure. That's fine. I'm it's just. Like, it's like a bakery selling gluten free products. Yeah. Alongside like regular stuff. Right. Because you can have cross contamination just by inhaling. It's just like, what are you doing? Yeah. It's actually better. Bakeries are better. Like, Taco Bell is like, come on. It's designed to kill you. It's like a death chamber. And it's not like it's not like they're gonna have a whole like griddle that's just for the vegans. You know what I mean? They're gonna be cooking the vegan food right next to or on top of where the anyway. All right, so let's world. let's t- what would like what was the encapsulation of what you want people to know about today's episode? Like what's so in their work, like what do you want them to know? The most important thing is that when you're doing a writing Make sure that you articulate for yourself if this writing is going to be um, created in order to be read by someone as a reader, a solo by themselves, or is it meant to be created and experienced as a piece that someone's going to hear, your audience is going to hear it auditorily or auditorial with visuals. And that is vital, vital to set into motion as a part of your final right you can use any technique you want in terms of conjuring to get the ideas down just to like lay it out da, 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 da. but when you when you start merging towards that place of okay this is where it's going to live and this is how, how people are going to experience it you really want to tap into that gotcha okay all right i got it only took us 27 minutes <laughs> but i'm slow like lenny Oh, nice. Nice, <laughs> nice callback. Nice callback, call call <laughs> uh, This has been Notes on Your Notes. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram uh, where you can follow us. Leave us a review on iTunes. We love it. And send us an email with a topic for a show. We'll do it. Probably better than our topics. <laughs> notes on your notes at gmail.com. And the sound on the show is courtesy of Kevin Cloud. And the editing is courtesy of me. Talk to you next week.